0: Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chadwick. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle-Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen welcomes Dr. Meg Van Dusen for a special episode about coping with the stress of COVID-19. Dr. Meg Van Dusen will also be Karen's upcoming guest in the next two weeks as they discuss her book, Stressed in the U.S.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I am Karen Doyle-Buckwalter, your host, joining you here from Chaddock. Today, we're gonna have a special episode related to coping with the stress of COVID-19. We are bumping this up in our podcast queue to put it out there as a resource for everyone who is dealing with the tremendous upheaval and stress from dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. So as I was thinking about uh, a podcast on this topic and as our team thought about the importance of offering some something of support at this time. it was a matter of who would be a good person to interview about this topic. And I immediately thought of a person that I had interviewed previously. Well, actually, not immediately. At first, I was just like overwhelmed and stumped and thinking, what can I do to support everybody? But after pondering it for a bit, I thought of Dr. Meg Van Dusen, who um, wrote the book Stressed in the U.S. And I actually previously taped a podcast with Dr. Van Dusen just on stress in general uh, before the COVID-19 pandemic uh, occurred. So that hasn't even been released yet. Um, But I was just so impressed with her and her book that I thought that she would be a wonderful person to have a conversation with about this topic. So I want to share briefly a um, little bit uh, about uh, her background with you. Dr. Van Dusen began her undergraduate studies as a psychology major at Santa Clara University. During that time, she developed an interest in language and writing and gradu- graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in English and a minor in German from Santa Clara University. After some years as an English teacher and a journalistic writer, she returned to school to study psychology, where she then completed her doctorate of philosophy in clinical psychology at the California. School of Professional Psychology in Los Angeles. Dr. Van Dusen had gleaned a wide range of clinical experience. She completed a practicum at California State University, Long Beach, where she worked with college students in individual and group psychotherapy. She did an internship at Glenn Roberts Child Study Center in Glendale, California, where she taught parenting classes and worked with low-income families in individual and family psychotherapy, and an internship at Western State Hospital in Southern California, where she worked with committed mentally ill patients in individual and group psychotherapy. She also conducted psychological testing in each of these settings with varied populations. Shortly after graduating with her PhD, she moved to Seattle and became licensed in 1994. With her diverse clinical resume, um, she has done many, many things, um, including working with adolescents at Fairfax Hospital in Kirkland. Washington, individual and family work at Family Services in Seattle, and individual group work at Advanced Clinical Services, a day treatment program in a Federal Way. Again, she has. Um, done so, so much in the field, and I came across her work uh, in reading her book that released in December 2019 called Stressed in the U.S., 12 Tools to Tackle Anxiety, Loneliness, Tech Addiction, and More. And I have to say, uh, there are a lot of stress reduction books out there, but something that really drew me to Dr. Van Dusen's work is how much she focuses on attachment and Relationships as part of how we need to manage stress. So that is why she was such a great guest uh, to have on the Attachment Theory in Action podcast and why I'm excited to bring her back again today. So I will be with you momentarily as we begin the interview with Dr. Van Dusen.
0: Sought-after speaker and trainer Karen Doyle-Buckwalter and trauma-informed school specialist Josh Carlson are coming together for a one-day workshop you won't want to miss. June 5th in Atlanta, Georgia, Lessons from the Toughest Kids features practical evidence-based strategies for working with challenging children and adolescents. You'll experience engaging lecture, discussions, and role play with proven strategies from over 25 years of working with some of the nation's most complex children. Go beyond theory and book knowledge with Karen Doyle-Buckwalter and Josh Carlson, June 5th in Atlanta, Georgia. Tickets are on sale now. Visit TKCchaddock.org or find us on Facebook.
1: So hi there, Dr. Van Dusen, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Thank you,
2: Karen. It's great to be with you.
1: Yeah, so you know, months ago when we taped our podcast related to your book, Stressed in the U.S., Wow we had no idea what else was coming in terms of stress in the US, right, did we?
2: No, we definitely did not, and this is a big one.
1: Yes, yes, so as we were thinking about Along with producers at uh, producer at Chadak and others, you know how could we support listeners at this time? We decided to add a special episode related to stress levels specific to COVID nineteen. And you know, I do think a lot of the things that you speak about in general in your book uh, are relevant here, but. I also just want to highlight them, simple strategies that people can be doing uh, during this time. And one of the things I wanted to start out with is I know that you are uh, have a, a, a private practice and see clients, and I wonder just what you're seeing in your practice to get us started to maybe almost normalize what people might be feeling
2: right yeah I think what we're dealing with here with COVID-19 is this invisible threat Um, it's a pervasive yet invisible threat Um, we know that it's out there it's not something you can see you don't necessarily know who has it and that just serves to create in many people a constant state of hypervigilance Uh, and and how does that manifest it often manifests in the form of anxiety Um, so many people are feeling uh, you know unsettled restless aimless just you know really experiencing sort of this you know uh, low-grade generalized anxiety Um, and what do people do when they're feeling anxiety particularly about the coronavirus is often they turn to the news uh, And while the news is really essential to, you know, helping us stay informed, um, I think, you know, it's very easy to start scrolling or, you know, one story leads to another story and pretty soon without realizing it, you're inundated and you're actually feeling even more anxious as a result of that. Because most of the news is just negative and it's, it's jarring, um, The other thing I think that people try to do when they're anxious is, you know, think about the future as a way to find soothing, to try to predict what's going to happen, when is this going to end, you know, is there a light at the end of the tunnel, and yet with something like this, you know, we just really don't know, there are so many variables, and so that also proves to be um, an unhelpful practice of trying to predict the future. so anxiety is something that people are really re, uh, wrestling with. I think loneliness is something people are really wrestling with because so many people are sheltering in place. So many people are estranged, estranged from their daily rituals um, in ways that they may not even be aware, um, you know, had been holding them. So these holding environments, you know, that we have that help create connection. It might even be the bus driver we see every day that we say hello to or the barista where we get our coffee, you know, um, uh, people are not, you know, we're we're estranged from those things and uh, spending a lot of time uh, by ourselves or with just a small A group of people that might be uh, living in our um, home with us, so. You know, I'm I'm working with people with that, and I can talk a little bit more about the you know kind of the, the interventions on these things. Um, yes. But the the third thing you know that's uh, fairly pervasive is this kind of low-grade depressed mood. Um, you know, people are really struggling with motivation. Um, people are having trouble knowing where to direct their energy. They're aimless. They're lacking hope. They're feeling helpless. Um, and again, I think that's really understandable in the sense that there's, there's not something that we can do to affect the larger situation other than take good care of ourselves and, and um, others by social distancing and, and all of the CDC recommendations. But in terms of really affecting the pandemic, I think a lot of people feel helpless and hopeless and can even begin to think that this is sort of apocalyptic and and then that can lead to other negative thoughts um, the fourth thing I think is that people are struggling with grief you know just just pure grief um, in that you know the virus is taking a lot of lives and um, Sometimes when we're faced with so much news about death, it can trigger in us grief about other things that might be happening or have recently happened in our life, other losses that we've experienced, Um, and not really realizing that that's what we're feeling, that we might be feeling grief about many things, uh, including the planet. you know, when people don't necessarily know why they're so sad. Um, you know, so those are kind of the four main ways in which I see um, the pandemic is affecting people's uh, mental and emotional well being.
1: Yes, yes. Um, let's, let's as you said, maybe go through those and come up with some ideas or thoughts about coping with those. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the first one you mentioned the anxiety and you specifically mentioned the news and I think limiting our exposure to the news. <laughs> and I've had heard a lot of colleagues and friends talking about this in different ways. One said I get the New York Times email update on the virus and then I read it and then that's it for the day, you know, and I, I'm not going on you know, social media, I'm not going on you know, letting the, the news play you know, in the background or scrolling on my phone, so what do you think of the idea of limiting news exposure?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with your colleague. And I guess the other thing I'll say is that social media, even though this is a time where we're quote unquote having to be socially distant um, or apart, I, I guess I'd rather say I don't necessarily think that social media is the place to find connection. I mean, the research shows that it typically does make us feel worse. And it is uh, one of those places where we can really get lost, um, you know, where you can kind of move from, uh, you know, one person's feed to another's. Um, I think there are other ways to stay connected um, and to ration and, and, you know, and, and simultaneously ration ourselves with regard to the news. I mean, you know, Boundaries around the news have always, in my mind, been key. Um, if ever there's a time to have them, um, it is now. I agree. We, I do think a daily update is important because things are changing rapidly, and there's information we need to know so that we know what to do. Um, but beyond that, uh, I, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think you need to kind of be checking in throughout the day. And I don't recommend that you read article after article. Um, It just doesn't seem to make people feel better, period. Yes. I've I've not seen it make people feel better.
1: Agreed. I haven't either. Well, and then you were talking about thinking about the future, and I think we, as as therapists think, you know, reflecting on your past, planning for your future, being present, these are all important things. But I do think at this time, and, and, and some of my thinking on this comes out of positive psychology and some of it comes out of 12 step programs, one day at a time, right here in front of me, what can I do? You know, what can I control for today? You know, so for me today, looking at when I'm doing this podcast, you know, a supervision group I have this afternoon when I'm having lunch and what, you know, just really trying hard to not be catastrophizing into the future um, and staying present in this moment with very grounding behaviors um, and realizing, you know, for me focusing on some things I can control, like little things I can control. (laughs) Absolutely. would like to hear any of your thoughts and additions to some of that. So I do think
2: that this is a time where we can all um, really press the reset button on our lives. So I guess the first thing I'd say, more generally speaking, in reference to the four ways that I spoke about the virus seeming to affect people emotionally and mentally right now, is that concept of widening the lens Um, so pressing the reset button um, you know people can be so busy in their daily lives trying to make ends meet running from one activity to another in order to be productive or to be somebody which is such a, a sort of an American phenomenon Um, And, you know, now we're in a position where both activities and for some people, even their jobs have been stripped away. Uh, And so I think it's really important that we take this as an opportunity to think about what really matters to us, what really matters, what is really important to us, you know, is it becoming the top salesperson in your company or is it playing hide and seek with your kids? You know, is it a big house and a nice car or is it walks in the woods with your best friend? I mean, really, really think about that. So that's kind of the bigger picture piece that I think we have an opportunity to do um, because we're all sort of in this um, holding pattern right now and we have, you know, a little bit more time than perhaps we normally would to think about that. Uh, In terms of not getting stuck with, you know, the pervasive experience of anxiety or feeling of hopelessness or helplessness. You mentioned structure and structure is creating boundaries. Um, around ourselves it's you know what I call the holding environment and I agree with you I think right now the structure has to be simple it has to be daily and I would really encourage people to get up in the morning and create their plan for the day and I would encourage people to include some basic things Um, I would encourage everybody to include some form of exercise Uh, And not that that's just, okay, I'm going to do my yoga class at four o'clock online. That's great. Um, But consider if you're really anxious, you might need to get out three times a day and take a walk. It doesn't have to be five miles, but you might need to really move because that does decrease anxiety. Yes. So, including in the structure exercise, including in the in the structure time outdoors, it is the one thing that we are allowed to do as long as we keep our distance from people, and uh, you know, being in outdoor light is a lot different than being an indoor light. I'll just say that in terms of, you know, the effect on the mood. Yes. Um, That light is essential to our moods. We feel better when we're in natural outdoor light. Uh, The other thing is that all the studies that I talked about in my book with regard to nature and well-being are really key here. It doesn't have to be, you know, um, something grand you don't have to be up in the mountains looking at a fantastic view you can simply be on your porch looking up at the sky for 15 minutes and that brings about I mean what research does show is it can bring about a feeling of universal connectedness and I think when people are feeling so anxious and alone that's really important so including exercise including some time outdoors including some form of work Um, Whether that be homeschooling your children or whether that be the job that you're doing remotely or whether that be cleaning your house, some form of work. And I think, you know, some playtime, some intimate time uh, with others. That could be people in your home, again, that could be playing with your kids, that could be uh, time with a partner or that could be a FaceTime call. You know with a friend, uh, or it could be something you know bigger such as um, you know uh, a live guided um, meditation so Tara Brock is doing those things like on her Wednesday night talks you know that you can log on and yes. be a part of um, so some way to intimately connect with others is another thing that I would include, um, in that mm. daily structure so that you're really making sure you're, you're hitting all those things and that you're doing those things, you know, frequently and, and maybe even in shorter bites throughout the day. Yes. Um, I find that people can get up and they can be motivated in the morning. They can exercise, they can go outside. And then by noon, they're sort of falling apart. Yes, uh, and so if you if you find ways to structure that where you're kind of peppering your day with those things repeatedly, I think it can really be, again, creating a more solid holding environment, which helps us feel more secure.
1: Yes, thank you so much for that. And um, many of our listeners are familiar with Dr. Bruce Perry from the Child Trauma Academy. And you and I were speaking before the podcast about a term he likes to use for this, which is dosing. You know, that we need these doses throughout the day. And, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you, thinking, looking at the time, thinking, okay, when we get done here, I need to go do something. You know, I mean, it's very easy to just get caught up in the day. And, you know, maybe it's setting a timer, you know, for every two hours, just doing one of these things that you're suggesting. Um, because, um, missing it, missing these things in typical times is, you know, not great, but missing them now can really, I don't, know about others, but I'm thinking they would feel the same. Your anxiety can really rise rapidly right now with everything that's going on. So just making a more focused effort on these things, even than we ordinarily would, since we, these are things that we talk about being important. I think... I, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, go, no, go ahead, please.
2: Yeah. I agree. And I think in particular, you know, the practice of mindfulness is key right now. Yes. Um. It. Even, you know, if you live alone and you're not in contact with a lot of people, I think what's really important to remember is that practicing mindfulness, you know, ha- has been researched to help increase secure attachment, um, which is and, and connection in general. So it has the same components of compassion and attunement that. Secure attachment have has so I do think that if you're practicing mindful attention, if and that could be formally meditating for 10 to 20 to 30 minutes at various times in the day, it could just be bringing your attention to the present moment in a non-judgmental, compassionate way, and doing that throughout the day, that that does serve to uh, help people feel more connected and less estranged, and we know that a more secure connection with ourselves informs the quality of our other relationships with each other. You um, can
1: even practice mindfulness while hand washing.
2: That's so true. Yes. You know, um, I'm reminded of Thich Nhat Hanh, who talks about, you know, the, um, you know, the uh, sort of attention to peeling an orange, right? Yes. Um, And just all that you can become attuned to about that orange when you're peeling it. Uh, These things actually, this is not just, you know... um, you know, sort of ungrounded ideas. These are, these are you know, neurally, neuroscientifically proven, yes. you know, to increase well-being. I think Dan Siegel's work shows that, you know, the similar neuronal pathways to exec- executive functioning exist uh, between mindfulness trait people and those who are securely attached. So yes, and mindful really can make a difference when we're feeling so estranged right now.
1: Yes. You know, and one of the other important topics that you brought up, and I think we're already touching on ways to deal with it, but is loneliness um, and feeling connected to others. And, you know, I've been amazed when you really make an effort to, to stay connected. This is the beauty of some of our technology now. Um, yep. so I'm really You know, with folks I'm talking to, talking about physical distance and not social distance. That's right. And, you know, I've been setting up some circles uh, online using a a process called circle practice that I'm trained in for therapists, you know, just to connect through Zoom and check in with each other. I discovered... um, FaceTime changed in 2019 to be able to do multiple people at once. So if you have a a text group uh, that you text to, which I do for for some different things, I mean, it is one press of a a button and you can be FaceTiming everybody at once. So I've been having Saturday mornings after I run. We usually go out for coffee, but we've been having – FaceTime coffees, you know, make your coffee at home. We'll still try to meet at our regular time, but we'll just be on a screen. So I think there's, you know, different ways that we can be doing this through Zoom, through FaceTime, staying socially connected um, while physically distant. So um, I I
2: absolutely agree. If ever there's a time to FaceTime instead of text, it's now. If ever there's a time to use technology for the better good, it is definitely now. And all those suggestions, I completely agree with you on. I think the other thing with regard to loneliness specifically, when we're talking about connection yes. is the concept of helping other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you yes. know, it's important to remind people that, you know, often when you're feeling lonely or you're feeling down, you can get really caught in the story of me, what I don't have. Other people seem to have other people. I don't. And it's not that those things aren't valid, But, you know, truly, if you actually, despite your loneliness or despite your depressed mood, reach out and and ask your neighbor if he or she needs anything from the grocery store or call somebody else, you know, down the street who you know who's living alone or perhaps volunteer to help deliver food, um, you know, to food banks or to... Um, help make materials that are so vitally needed right now there are organizations out there doing that if you can volunteer in these ways helping others actually helps us feel better, that is the bottom line and so just just do it despite the fact that you're feeling lonely or depressed it really can help you feel better um, And and I think hope which is a a very broad concept, um, is really important for people to understand how to cultivate it. Um, because whether it's about your personal life because you've lost your job and you don't know how you're going to make ends meet, or whether it's, uh, on a larger scale about what's going to happen to us all on the planet with global warming and are we just going to see one pandemic after another, you know, people can really, really find themselves in a dark place. But hope is really about not just creating a vision of what you would like, but it's establishing specific goals and, and pathways to those goals, you know, and that could be, again, Karen, I mean, like you were talking about just for your day, You know, what's Mm -hmm. my goal today? Mm -hmm. How am I going to get there? Um, Or it could be, you know, on a grander scale right now because you're pressing the reset button and thinking about what's important to you, you know, for life, um, including the fact that, okay, one of the silver linings um, of this whole thing is, is, you know, that we've seen um, that pollution is receding. Um, and, you know, I guess China has reduced their emissions by 25%. Uh, and so, you know, you could establish a, a larger goal of, you know, how do I rearrange my life? Can we talk to our company about 32 hour work weeks? Um, you know, can we telecommute a little bit more to reduce um, emissions? Um, what, what can we do? Because this, in a matter of a few weeks has substantially made a difference in pollution levels. So you can set goals for your day, goals for your life, and then you can establish the pathways. Think about what could come in between you and the pathway that you've set out, what obstacles might you you know, um, run into that could deter you from reaching that goal and think about ways that you could get around that so that now you've got kind of a formula, this is a well-researched formula, but a formula to actually act on some goals to achieve the thing that you're hoping for.
1: I love that, that's so helpful. Um, So moving on to one of the other things you mentioned, the depressed mood, low-grade depression, lack of motivation, lack of energy. Um, Any thoughts specifically? Obviously, some of the things that we've already talked about would be helpful for that, but I was wondering if there's anything else specifically you wanted to add to that.
2: Well, I think one of the things... And this was in the loneliness research, actually, but that is key to depression, is paying attention to to how you talk to yourself internally. Yes. And, you know, this idea of talking to yourself in a compassionate, encouraging, nonjudgmental way really is one of the factors that research found um, uh, had a positive effect on people's loneliness. So... We know loneliness causes depression, depression causes loneliness, they're bi-directional and it kind of goes with the territory. Um, but I work with my you know, clients all the time in, with regard to their internal dialogues and um, so many people don't pay attention to how they talk to themselves and are sort of shocked when they do. Um, Because so many people are so hypercritical. You're so lazy. Get off the couch. See, you did it again. You didn't exercise. That is not motivating. That's not going to help you the next day, you know? And so it's really important to be kind, to be encouraging. That doesn't mean to not hold yourself accountable, but it might mean, okay, so you had a hard day, so you didn't exercise, you didn't get outside, you didn't do anything, um, you know, Uh, with regard to your well-being today Uh, you ate terribly Uh, and so what can you what can we do right now just one thing just one thing that you can do right now to just take care of yourself you know maybe it's as simple as making yourself a cup of tea and sitting down and breathing mindfully Maybe it's as simple as just opening the door of your apartment or house and getting outside and taking a walk around the block. It can be small, but starting somewhere with that internal compassion and encouragement.
1: Mm, I love that. I just this morning in in one of the groups um, I have on Facebook, I have an attachment-based therapist Facebook group, and Kristen Neff, you know, of course, who talks a lot about self-compassion, is offering one of her courses, videos that's usually charged for, you know, for free. And and that, that's been heartening to see how many people are trying to do things like that. So if there was ever a time for resources for some of these things, it's now as well.
2: It's so true. Yeah, it really yes. is.
1: And- You know, I loved what you said about just a little thing this morning. So, uh, I, I use my water pick, you know, I mean, you know, I'm brushing yeah, there you go. it's like, you know, I, I just, you know, little things, yeah, I'm brushing my teeth, but I'm going to do this extra thing, you know, uh, it's just something so simple and basic, but it's a little form of extra self-care, you know, it
2: is. And I, and I, and I, speaking of that, <laughs> it's really tempting for, for those of us who are sheltering in place to not really get dressed. Um, yes. <laughs> and I really encourage people to get up, take a shower, get dressed. You know, uh it it it's not as if we're not, you know, living our lives here. Life is going on. Yes. Uh, and there's a lot that we can actually glean from our days. Um, if we actually behave in such a way that says, yeah, I'm up and ready for the day now.
1: Yes, yes. I love that you brought that up because uh, a friend of mine the other day was saying, well, I am dressed, but I'm just kind of sloppy exercise clothes and I'm going to put on like a shirt that buttons and my jewelry, <laughs> and things, you know, and I thought, right. yeah, yeah, we need to be doing that, you know? Um, so that's, that's good. So, and then the fourth, uh, point that you mentioned, yeah, it's just so big and it doesn't, does. it, doesn't it, um, doesn't grief, uh, underlie so much of what we experience um, in life, and let me hear some of your thoughts about that.
2: Well, I think it's really important to let yourself feel the sad feelings, um, whatever it might be about. Yes. I think it's also important, you know, one of the things that Tara Brach had done in one of her meditations, and it stuck with me, and I use it a lot with my clients, is when you're tuning into emotion to really ask that emotion what it wants from you. Mm. What does that emotion want from you? Mm-hmm. So that you can get kind of an intuitive sense of how to respond, right, to your own. In this case, it would be sadness or you know grief takes many forms. It could be anger as well. Um, Because, you know, people don't necessarily know what they're grieving about. Uh, Like I said, there's a generalized sense of loss right now. People are dying of this virus. Um, People have lost their jobs and their livelihood and their businesses. Uh, And that can trigger other losses um, that you might be experiencing now or have experienced in the past. So be tender with yourself. Be patient with yourself. Go toward that emotion rather than trying to sweep it under the rug and avoid it. Go toward it. But then again, time limit it. I think, you know, you don't want to get completely lost in it and then find yourself unable to get out of bed which would be moving into a depressed mood. You want to be able to be tender and present. And again, ask that emotion what it needs from you, what it would like from you. So you know how to respond to it. So now there's an action being taken toward the emotion. Um, And that's really key in terms of processing grief and helping it move through you. I like to think of tears as, you know, the, the movement of of grief through the body uh, and it's important that it moves and that it doesn't get stuck because when it does get stuck that's when we feel just downright depressed
1: mm, That's it's really beautiful thank you for that well I am so pleased that we were able to get together and talk about this and you could offer a lot of your wisdom um, I would certainly be recommending your book, Stressed in the U.S. You have so many pointers and tips and ideas in that that are, as we said at the beginning of the the podcast, we didn't know how, how... when we first got together to talk about this, we had no idea the level of stress that was going to be coming for our world, um, in addition to what we were already experiencing, and I, I think your work is just so wonderful. Um, your background in journalism comes across, you're an excellent writer, and everything you've written is so well researched, and so I thank you for the contribution of the book and for granting another interview uh, for the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Thanks,
2: Karen. Thank, thank you for doing what you do. I think your, uh, your podcast is really helping people connect at a time when people feel so disconnected. So
1: well, thank you as well. All right. Goodbye for now. Okay. Take care.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchatik.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchatik.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.